witnesses to him. Turn to Daniel chapter 4. Everybody knows Daniel, right? Daniel in the lion's den. Let me talk about Daniel, and we're talking about today something I think I've been talking about over the last few weeks that I think are important, and that is evangelism. Okay. What's going to happen? You know, every day, because in John chapter 4, Jesus said, the harvest is ripe now. Don't wait four months. Tell people about your faith now. Now is the day. Today is the day of salvation. And so right now, things are ready. But how do you do that? How can you do it? I want to share with you today how you can do that because there are different ways. And Daniel, obviously, I think, you could entitle what he did with lifestyle evangelism, okay? Some people, uh, actually, they evangelize and, and there are miracles that take place. We've seen that many times. We saw see the apostles there uh, in the book of Acts and, and in the Gospels that there were miracles that took place. There were signs and wonders that took place and all and all. But some people do not. They don't necessarily operate in outward miracles like that and signs and wonders and all that, uh, which I call and many have called power evangelism. But uh, some people are more kind of reserved, if you could say it like that, and, and quiet about that. Daniel was a prophet, but also he was an evangelist. We're going to see. I don't know if y'all have seen in scripture about Daniel, but Daniel's fascinating to me. Uh, obviously, I, I want to model my life after Jesus, but certainly Daniel is one of those people that I see there's not really anything said that uh, is derogatory about Daniel. Daniel lived a, a holy life. He wasn't perfect, obviously, we're not, but he lived a holy life, a pure life before the Lord. And, and there's some things about his life that I believe we can, uh, can look at and, and connect with in our own lives that we can learn from him. Uh, Billy Graham, he preached to, to thousands and thousands, and we know many people came to the Lord as a result of his ministry. But you didn't necessarily see outward miracles, so to speak, and, and so forth, although I believe behind the scenes there were. But Billy Graham obviously uh, gave the, the greatest miracle, and what is that, anybody? When he pro- proclaimed the gospel, what is the greatest miracle when you talk about proclaiming the gospel? Anybody? Hmm? Healing is good. That's great. Healing, huh? Salvation. Salvation is the greatest miracle. Because without salvation, obviously, we know we don't have anything. And Jesus came and gave his life for us, we know, because of, uh, he wanted to see the world saved. And it's through him. Man, man through that, down the years, have tried to sort of like, you know, not uh, equate salvation to Jesus. Maybe it was to their church. You know, well, my church saves me. Or maybe it was to some outward religious type of uh, ceremony. Well, my ceremonies, it, it saves me and so forth. And, and uh, I, I've given to the poor. And I, I've, I've done good things for people. I open the door for the ladies still, you know, which we all should do anyway. Well, you know, all that good stuff and, and uh, good manner, that saves me. And it doesn't. Jesus Christ saves you. And in our relationship with Jesus Christ, it is a personal relationship. It's not that, yeah, I believe in Jesus. It's actually when you believe, actually the Bible says you've got to do something about it. In other words, you've got to commit your life to him. So when you do that, then something happens. Because what happens? It, it's like, I want to share this with other people. 
I want to share this, what's happened in my life with other people. And, and, and you begin to, when you first receive Jesus and all that, you're excited about the Lord and you just, uh, you know, sometimes you just go overboard, so to speak. I don't think you can go overboard, but you're really out there somewhere. And people will say, you've lost your mind. You know, again, you're a Jesus freak and all this stuff. And, all, and, and we need to obviously go back to that, really, that foundation when we were saved to see how important that is. There are many people leaving this earth today, we know, that don't know Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven. And the Bible says it's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. John chapter 14. And so when that happens, then we should have a desire and a thrust or a momentum to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to tell other people what's going on in my life. I've been changed. You know, uh, my chains are gone. Chris Tomlin sings here as we sung it in praise and worship today. My chains are gone. I've been set free. I've been set free because of Jesus. And you want to tell people about it. But I want to share with you today something I think is so, so important when we talk about being set free by the blood of the Lamb. That miracle of salvation, you think about it. So is it wrong to uh, say, well, those people who somehow miracles are there when they present the gospel and all and, and, and people get healed and delivered and all this other stuff that goes on outwardly manifestations of the Holy Spirit, which, you know, we ask for and so forth, uh, versus someone like Billy Graham. Is it, which way is right? Which way? Is there a wrong way? Uh-uh. We can do it as the Holy Spirit leads us and directs our path. So there's not a really wrong way in doing it. And I believe this message today will be encouraging to you because it's so important in understanding how important you are in the kingdom of, of God and what God is doing here. And so, you know, the Bible talks about here where Paul uh, went so far to say that he rejoiced when people preached Christ, even if they had the wrong motives. Even if it was not down deep, you were like, ah, I'm not sure if I, I, I fully have the right motive here in sharing Jesus with them and so forth. Paul said, do it anyway. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I rejoice. In other words, when Christ is, is preached, then obviously uh, God is pleased. Remember that some followers of Jesus, I believe it was on the other side of the river in one of the stories, and his disciples said, look at those guys over there. They're, they're preaching about you and all that, but they're not doing it like we, we do it and all that. And remember what Jesus said, leave them alone. They're talking about me, leave them alone. When you're talking about Jesus, you may not talk about, it, about him the same way, in the same way, certainly uplifting and honoring to him, but certainly in a different manner because of our personalities and so forth and all that. And we're looking and like, can God use that? Of course he can. He uses the simplest person in that sense. I'm, a, I, I'm just an old country boy, okay? And, and I'm, I'm going, Lord, you know, has anything happened with that? But, but I'm willing to preach the gospel and the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the Bible talks about, well, you know, how shall they hear unless there's a preacher, you know? Well, we're all preachers. We may not be from in the pulpit, but we're all called to preach the gospel, okay? Amen? St. Francis of Assisi said this. He said, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. 
Isn't that great? So what does that mean? That means your life is watching. Somebody's watching you. You ever seen that? Anybody come up to you and sometimes said that, and they're wondering what it is about you, what's going on here, and all I have, and, and all that. And I'm not trying to be boastful or pious or anything, but it was people would come and say, what, what's going on with you? We should have that type of lifestyle that's different than the world. The world is, is preaching, actually, death. Death spiritually, and eventually we die. But certainly we want life and have it more abundantly. Here, let's read it together. If you'd like to stand, we can read it together and we'll go through it. Thank you, Lord. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, but how mighty is his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid, and as I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. And so I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. And when the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and uh, diviners came, I told them the dream, but they couldn't interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream, and he called his name Belshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. And I said, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you, and here's my dream, interpret it for me. And these are the visions I saw while I was lying in my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. And the tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky, and it was visible to the ends of the earth. And its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it was the beast of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air in its branches. From it every creature was fed. And in the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. And he called in a loud voice and cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit, and let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground and the grass of the field. And let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. And let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. And let his mind be changed from that of a man. And let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers and the holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign and over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. And this is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because you, the Spirit of the Holy Gods is in you. And then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. And so the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. And the tree you saw, which grew up large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air, 
You, O king, are that tree. And you become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. And your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze and the grass of the field. And while its roots remain in the ground, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. And this is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from the people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign and over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. And the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that you, your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Amen. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. And all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Thank you. May God add blessing to the reading of this word. Daniel, uh, Daniel's faced with some plex, complex things here. Babylon had come in and taken the Jews out of their native country, okay? So here Daniel was in a foreign land, and God was using him to influence the kings uh, of, of that particular country at that time, certainly King Nebuchadnezzar. And so God was given King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a very powerful king, dreams about what would happen. And obviously, as Daniel came on the scene and said, I'll interpret them, they were accurate. But they weren't real good for King Nebuchadnezzar, obviously. But Daniel here stood his ground, and, and he, uh, he gave the interpretation. And so we think about this today, some things that how can we do that? Because we know that as we plant seeds of evangelism, and all, and we see people in the world today and people who have not repented and come into a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and all and so forth, and you go up to them and you begin to tell them about your faith, what do you think will happen? What will happen? You know, they can do either one of two things. They can reject you or they can receive what you're saying. The issue is, many times, is that we are afraid of sharing our faith with other people. Why? It's because we don't know what they're going to say. We don't know if they're going to reject us. Somebody, a friend of yours, you may share the gospel with, and uh, you, know, you don't know whether that person will accept what you're saying. They may outright reject you, and they may, obviously, as Facebook says, they may, uh, what is the word, befriend you, or get, you know? Y'all know what Facebook does. <laughs> you can no longer get any more articles from them or any more Facebook. You've seen that and all. But what's more important, the salvation of a soul? that will go throughout eternity or your popularity? The question is, where are our priorities today? Daniel had a priority, and that was to influence as many people around him, but he took chances, didn't he? Because King Nebuchadnezzar came, and of course, in the, in the word of God, and this actually happened, by the way. This is not some type of myth. This actually happened. This is history. And the wonderful thing about it is the Jews passed down their history from, from generation to generation. They were so accurate. It's, a, it's just a mind-boggling to me how they did that. They passed down 
what was done, what was said, and so forth. I was reading the book of Acts this morning where Stephen is talking about to those who had crucified our Lord, and he confronted them with it and, and all that. And I, they, the Bible says that they got so mad, they gnashed their teeth, and they eventually took him out and stoned him to death. And Stephen was martyred there. And Stephen did not back off because he, he told them the truth. There were some, I believe, in that group that accepted Christ and repented, but there were many that said, no way. And that's the same way with us today. We share our faith. Some people will ex- receive it, and some people may not. But the question is, are we willing to step out for people who are lost, people who don't know Jesus, that we know that they're, they're going to spend eternity in darkness where there is the weeping and gnashing of teeth, are we going to tell them about Jesus to give them an opportunity to accept and receive Jesus Christ? We can go one of two ways, can't we? And so the question is, are we willing to do that? Daniel was. Why? It's because to begin with, Daniel had already consecrated his life to God. What does that mean? That means he had set his life aside to God and him alone. It means separate there. He said, my purpose for living is to live for my God and live according to his word. You see, today I was reading, and I've told you all over the years that, that, you know, George Barner does a lot of Christian polls and all about what society is like and what they're doing at this particular time of history. And and he had uh, surveyed and went in uh, particular churches and all throughout this country. And a lot of them, many, a high percentage of Christians said they no longer believe any absolute truth. In other words, they don't believe what the Bible says. And basically, the Bible basically is on the coffee table drawing dust. They don't believe the Word of God. And Daniel did. He knew that he could trust his God. And he was in a foreign land. And so Daniel took a risk, and he shared there. He's sharing a lifestyle. But he had to do this to begin with. He had to consecrate his life. And so a decision confronts us, I believe, every day. Are we living that day for Jesus Christ? Are we living it for our pleasure? That's the question that God presents to you and to me. You remember here where the chief eunuch, he came up and he told Daniel, they were in captivity. They knew, obviously, these young men. He was probably a a teenager at this time. And the chief eunuch came to him and he said, hey, we're changing your meal. We're going to give you this food over here. Well, Daniel looked at that food and he said, that's not good for me. You know, you might think of that again when you visit McDonald's. (laughs) Same thing, right? And so he looked at it and he said, that's not good for me. And so he said, he asked the chief eunuch, he said, and this is in the story in Daniel, he said, uh, can I exchange that? Can I, uh, can I eat the, the food that I'd like to eat and all? And the first response was the chief eunuch who was preparing the meal. And remember, they're in captivity here. These guys are ruling over Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the story. But they were ruling over him. He said, no, you got to eat my, our food here. Well, those, that food that he was offering to Daniel was sacrificed to idols. So that food was sacrificed to idols. And Daniel said, I don't want to have anything, I don't want to have anything to do with it. You know what God is restoring in the church today? Holiness. We're positionally holy, but we want to 
walk in holiness of performance too. We're not perfect, obviously. We know that. But I'm saying here, there should be a bent of your heart and my heart to walk in holiness before the Lord. And that, that means is that everything is not like Jesus and not pleasing to the Lord. We ask God to take it out of our lives. That's the way we should be walking, right? According to the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. You want to know how to live? Read the Word of God. Read it. Ask the Spirit to speak to you about the Word of God. He will speak. But see, the world has polluted even in the church today. And the church sometimes looks more like the world than the world does. It's because we bought in into that uh, corrupt current and, and we went with the tide. And we fail to say, we are called to be different. Not oddballs in that, but maybe oddballs according to the world. And they may call you an oddball. But according to God, you're rich in mercy. He's rich. And you're prosperous. And God Almighty is Lord of your life. Daniel said, well, he came back to him again. Because of Daniel's lifestyle, he came back and said, uh, can, can you not, uh, can I, I eat my own food? And eventually, Chief Eunice said, yeah. You can eat your own food, not what's sacrificed to idols and all. And so in Daniel chapter 1, it says, Now God had, had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of eunuchs here, okay? He was behaving himself correctly. So as Christians, we don't want to be obnoxious, and we certainly don't want to get out there. And, and you know, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you don't want to raise your hand and give them a particular finger that y'all know I'm talking about. Right? You're different. You want to walk that way. You know what you do when somebody cuts you off? You say, Lord, bless them. Bless them, Lord. I know the chuckle because you're going, are you kidding me, Jim? Are you kidding me? But it's true. We've been set apart for the Lord. We were here to look different. Daniel was different. And he didn't compromise his values. He said, I know what the word, the word says this. I can't eat that meat because it's not good for me to begin with. He said, the Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you put in to you. I know that. I know. I love cheeseburgers. Don't get me wrong. You all know that. I love all that. But really, we need to think about it, don't we? Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so Daniel, obviously, uh, was drawing some respect here. And Nebuchadnezzar, obviously, um, he knew of it because he had already walked the walk. And you think when you walk the walk, is anybody going to reject you? Is anybody going to turn away from you? You're going to lose all your friends and all your buddies and all that? You know, I talked about, you know, uh, Garth Brooks' song, I've Got Friends in Low Places. I want friends in high places. Amen? I want friends in high places. Hallelujah. And so Nebuchadnezzar noticed that, and, and he went, okay. None of the magicians, sorcerers, you know, all those people, uh, diviners, none of those, they could not interpret the dream. So what happens? Daniel comes up, steps up to the bat, and he risks. He goes, okay, I can interpret the dream. One particular time when he was there before the king, he didn't have the answer. He said, I can interpret it. And he went, Lord, I don't know the interpretation. You've got to give me the interpretation because if he didn't have the correct interpretation and didn't come up with it and God didn't speak to him, Daniel would lose his life, okay? And so Daniel risked and said, I'll, I'll give you the interpretation here, not knowing at that time what the interpretation would be. But then he began to pray. He called his buddies together and said, let's pray. 
Man, my back is up against the wall. Are we desperate enough for God Almighty in our lives that we will say, I'll do that. But Lord, you've got to help me. Lord, you've got to give me strength. I can't do this. Are you going to help me, Lord? Daniel did that. Because why? He had already made a decision back here. He consecrated his life. In other words, I'll say it real plainly. Then, obviously, now you can say, too, that Jesus is Lord of my life. And the question is, is Jesus Lord of your life today? Or is he someone maybe kind of in the bypassing and so forth? You do it from a religious sense and all that. It's not religious in that sense. It's relationship. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Have you said, Lord, you're Lord of my life? You're Lord over my spouse's life. You're Lord over my, my family's life. And you name your family, name every one of them. Lord, are you you're Lord over my household? You're Lord over my job. You're Lord over my future. You're Lord over my car. You're Lord over every possession that I have. If you haven't done that, today may be the day that you can do it. Because Daniel had made Jesus Lord of his life. Jesus wasn't on the scene yet, but he saw ahead of time. God was Lord over his life. And he didn't compromise his values. You know, um, in Daniel chapter 6, it says, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, the leaders, because an excellent spirit was in him. And when the king gave thought of setting him over the whole realm, so the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against him. When you stand out in a crowd, what do you think will happen? I've always said, you got a bullseye on your back. The enemy will come against you. We have actually real enemies sometimes, and we have spiritual enemies that will do all they can to try to destroy you. God, Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy, and he'll do it. Let me tell you, you start moving towards the things of God. You consecrate your life to God, and I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm just saying this to be prepared for an assault because there's so many Christians out there today that have just compromised their lives. And basically, again, they don't stand. They have no principle. Again, no absolute truth there. And the truth is right here in the Word of God. The truth is Jesus. And He doesn't vary. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so we compromise. Go with the flow. Ah, I'm going to stand up. You see, one of the things we've got now today is when the, when the Supreme Court made the ruling that traditional marriage between a man and a woman was not anymore uh, in the sense the way that, that what they, you know, we think it is, and that you marry same-sex marriages, then what that does is it opens the door to the enemy. And the enemy comes in like a flood. Why? It's because we have not accepted the absolute truth from the Word of God, that marriage is between a man and a woman, okay? And so now, the way it is, and you watch what happens, if Jesus doesn't come back before, you're going to see all types of things continue on. You know, people, you know, would say, well, if I want to marry my billy goat, I can marry him, okay? You know? Isn't that true? And let me give you an example. There's a program on uh, TV right now, on HGTV, which I love because I love renovation of houses, and I love houses. I just have a thing for it. That's just me. And one of the programs on there, the title, I believe it's called Trumplets. And what it is, is a husband and wife and the children, and then another lady has joined them. And evidently, it's almost like some type of a, 
contract or bond, almost like they've all joined together in that way. So you've got anything goes now as a result of that. And what's happening is they're plastering it all over TV. They're putting it all over the news. And they're celebrating it. If you remember there at the White House where they put the colors up there and so forth, when there was homosexual stuff, the, the, obviously the, the gay lifestyle and so forth. And I believe even in the city here, they put the colors there on City Hall and all that stuff. When you open the door to the enemy, he'll come in, I'll tell you. Amen. And that's why we are in the shape we're in today is because we no longer hold to a standard. We always, we've obviously lowered the bar Daniel kept the bar high, and he stood firm in his relationship with God. It's a matter of you saying, I'm not going to vary from this. And I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not. We, have, we won't be. We go to heaven, right? The blood of Jesus cleanses us. But I'm telling you today, we got a purpose in our heart. You know what purpose means? you got to make a commitment in your heart, and I have to, to say, I will not compromise my faith. Daniel didn't do it. He went on. He went to the king. And obvious, you know, eventually with King Darius, when Nebuchadnezzar died, remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den. You remember what was going on in Daniel's life at that particular time? You can read it in the book of Daniel. It's, it's very interesting. He prayed three times a day. And those who people who were jealous of him didn't want to see him have anything to do. They wanted to destroy him which are enemies. We have enemies that want to destroy you. Trust me, you're in a spiritual warfare and the enemy will do anything in his, his power. And he has power to drive you down. God has more power, but we got to know spiritual warfare. We got to pray. And what is that? That's prayer. And you pray. Daniel prayed three times a day. And the people that were against Daniel, they went to the king who had written a decree saying that if you didn't worship him, then you're going basically into the lion's den. And Daniel said, no, I'm praying. I'm praying three times a day. And I'm going to continue to pray three times a day. And so anyway, the king hated to do it in that because he knew Daniel. He knew his reputation. But because of the decree that had been signed, he had signed it, that he had to throw Daniel into the lion's den. Do you know at that time of Daniel's life that he was probably between 80 and 90 years old? <laughs> Think about it today. I'm real close to that age. <laughs> Think about it. Being thrown into the lion's den. Right where you are today. Somebody. And you go, well, uh, that, that would never happen in this country. Don't bet on it. I love my freedom. And I'm as patriotic as the next person. But let me tell you today, you and I, we have to stand up for our rights. And I'm not talking about necessarily, obviously going to war physically, but I'm talking about prayer. And Daniel did. And he got thrown in the lion's den. What happened? He actually sat down on, and the lions actually, I believe, made like a, a, a actually a tempurpedic for him, right? And, and God shut the, the mouths of the lion. And Remember, Darius said, oh, Daniel, are you still, you all right? And all that stuff. Well, he was surprised. Daniel said, oh, king, I'm fine. I'm good. He had been in the lion's den, and God shut the mouths of the lion. That's the God we serve. Amen. 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 If we'll be obedient, if we'll consecrate our lives to the Lord, I want to tell you today. You know, 
question is, would you remain faithful to God if the rulers told you you would be put in the lion's den? You see, during the tribulation, when the mark of the beast goes on people, it's 666. It's right before, I'll be 777 is the number of completion, perfection in that sense, okay? Six is just shy of it. Well, Satan is way shy of that, but he puts that 666 on you. And what will happen is people, believers, who don't accept, obviously, do not accept the Antichrist as their God. They won't accept that number, and they'll be put to death. That's in the tribulation. That's clear. They'll be put to death. Those Christians that deny God at that time, obviously, will come under the rule and reign of the Antichrist. It's going to be a horrible time, folks. It's going to be horrible. But you see, even in our lives today, as we go along, we see darkness rising. It's not going to be good. Daniel stood firm. The second thing is, speak, obviously, uh, the truth respectfully, but firmly. Don't budge. Don't budge about it, okay? Believe God. In, in Daniel 2, 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the musicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your, your head upon your bed were these. And as for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while in your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. You remember what happened in that scripture is Nebuchadnezzar rejected God. And remember, he was like a wild beast out in the fields eating the grass for seven years. God, what God says in his words either come to pass, it is coming to pass, or it will come to pass. Every jot and tittle from the word of God is the authoritative word of God. Either we accept it or we let it go and say, well, everything is relative. Doing this and doing that is, is certainly, you know, that. And when you stand for God, I want to tell you, there may be some, there may be some tension and pressure and some, some opposition and, and, and maybe all these things happening, but if you'll stand firm, God will come through for you. God will be glorified and honored as we stand. And remember there, Nebuchadnezzar, he was in the field like a, a wild animal eating the grass. And what happened after seven years? He came back to his senses. And what he says there is very important. Right at the end, he goes, he finally comes around and he says, there are no other God except the God of, of Daniel that exists. His witness. Remember, Daniel was persecuted, thrown in lines, then all this stuff and, and stuff eventually. But he didn't waver. And so his lifestyle evangelism, people saw Jesus in them, actually, God in his life. The same way with us. You stand firm. I'm not talking about being legalistic and all that and stuff. Trying to be that. I want to tell you, when you respectfully honor people and bless them, but don't change your morals or your values or the things you know is right, then you will be blessed. You will be blessed immensely here. When it's time to speak up, you need to speak up here. Tell people about Jesus. You know, in hospice over the years, I saw hundreds of people. As you know, in 24 years, I could see if I saw 10 a day, people 
you can figure how many people I saw in, uh, in 24 years, many, many people. And all the people I saw were going to die, okay? If I had an opportunity, I've shared some of the, the things with you that I've shared about. And I've gone in to people, and I start praying, and maybe this, the way, can work for you also, is when you meet a friend or you have a friend and you haven't talked to them about Jesus, ask the Lord when you're in their presence. You can say, Lord, would you speak through me today? Would you live your life through me today? And you can say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me to say to this individual about Jesus in their lives? Do what you want with me. I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. I am Jesus's and he is mine, okay? And so when I would go in and I would start praying, the minute I walked in, because every situation I in was in was a crisis situation because loved ones were dying and people were uh, obviously grieving. There was uh, uh, the whole gamut of emotions, as we know, um, anger and denial and uh, frustration and, uh, you know, everything, you name it, every emotion, okay? I'd go in and say, Lord, how can I share Jesus with this person? And I would listen. And I'd go in talking to them, get to know them, and all that. But I always understood that I may not have much time with this person because many times they died pretty, sometimes pretty quickly. And I'd say, Lord, you know, how can I talk to them about Jesus? And, and I would listen to the Lord. But you know what happened? Sometimes I would leave the house, and I didn't necessarily outwardly share Jesus with them, but I'd say, Lord, I really feel like you want me to share Jesus with them outwardly. I mean, my life, they know I'm a Christian, know I'm a minister, a chaplain, and so forth. But I believe you want to do, would you give me another chance? Would you give me another opportunity? And all the ones that I could think of over the years, God gave me another opportunity to share Jesus with them. And they went out into eternity. And God knows our hearts, and he's the only one. But I want to tell you today, you and I are faced with that. It can't always be on the preacher's back because I'm only, I'm only one person. What we're talking about here is a multitude of people that can share as the Lord leads you. And so I want to encourage you today. Daniel had a lifestyle that people watch. He said, what's wrong? What's going on with Daniel? And sometimes we think when we share the gospel with somebody and maybe it confronts them, that, man, they'll never, they'll never befriend us again and, you know, all that other stuff. They'll take us off their Facebook or whatever else, whatever it may be, okay? But if you look at it from eternity's uh, viewpoint, it'll be worth it. Because one day we'll stand before Jesus and we give an account of our lives. I give an account as an individual, but certainly as someone has been called into this place as a preacher, a minister, and so forth. But so will you. The question is, we're going to do it. You see, somebody's watching you. You may not realize it, but somebody's watching you. Do you have a lifestyle of consecration to the Lord? Or do you basically kind of bend with every wind that goes around? You know, there's some Christians who want to go and tell the message to others, but they don't even, you know, again, live it themselves. Certainly living it is the first step, but it may be audibly proclaiming the gospel. In the last couple of months, I've had some time to share with a couple of people about Jesus Christ. You know, God has always uh, given us opportunities. You know why? 
Because love people. He loves people. He loves us. We're talking about getting ready for revival. We've got to be ready because when that happens, when there's a move and God begins to, to move in a powerful way on our hearts and begins to confront people with conviction that they're in sinners and they need salvation and it only comes through Jesus Christ. We've got to be ready. We've got to be watching and ready. We've got to stand up for our faith. And when the opportunity knocks, we've got to be bold. And we've got to proclaim the gospel. Don't back down. When you share that, God is going to do something. I want to tell you. You think, oh gosh, I blew it. I said the wrong thing. I, I, I shouldn't have said that. It may have offended them, maybe this and all that. And, and the Bible says, you know, that if you're ashamed of Jesus here, then Jesus said, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. Don't be ashamed of it. But I believe today we need just a fresh move of God's Spirit, a fresh immersion in the Spirit of God that you will be, you'll proclaim the gospel. And I believe God wants to do that because I was praying about this. I believe God wants to impart faith into your heart today. And you know when you say, well, is that me? Yes, it is. Because I'm talking to everybody here. I'm talking about faith being imparted, stirred in your faith to love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbors yourself, you know. This is not some religious platitude. This is reality. And this is where the rubber hits the road. And so today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your life, and what may be something God has spoke to you today, and, and, and you, but you, you've not, you've just never really stepped that out. The day is the day. Of salvation. Don't wait. But maybe you've said, I want to be a more effective witness for Jesus. And you said, I, I know I've witnessed to him, but I want to be even more effective. How many of you in here want to do that? Amen. I do. I do. I want to be a more effective witness for the Lord. Today was the day just open your heart and God wants to pour something in there. It will be his spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. He's here. And he'll pour into your heart and give you the power and the courage to overcome no matter what you face and no matter what it is you feel like in all your thoughts because the devil will say, you know, what are they going to think of you if you say something about Jesus? They're going to look at your, your life wrong and all that and all that's a lie from the pit of hell. When you witness for Jesus, God will bless your life. He will bless you. There's nothing more exciting for me and maybe for you, I'm sure, is to see somebody come into the kingdom of God. Maybe it's just a rededication of your life. Maybe you said, I do want Jesus. I have Jesus. I know that. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. But I want to be, again, just, just full. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I made him Lord of my life way back here, but I want to do it again. I want to say, Lord, come back. And let you be Lord of my life. Anybody in here wants that to happen, just open your heart today to Jesus. Because when you do that, Watch what happens. There'll be people that will, will see you differently. People will say, you know, what is it that you've got? Because I want some of that. There may be rejection there also, but many will come. And you'll know without a doubt you're being obedient to the Lord. And when you're obedient to the Lord, it's the greatest thing you can do because God will show you. If you want to do His will, He said you'll do His will. And that's the question today. We want to, His will is that... that 
Everybody who will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's His will. Your family? Maybe your family doesn't go to church today. Again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And how should they know or hear without a preacher? So they need to hear the Word, okay? And y'all are hearing the Word. But look, we're going to do all we can to share the Word as a preacher. Y'all preachers didn't know it, did you? You are, according to the Word of God. And share the Word with people with the confidence that no matter what you see, how they respond, that you're planting seeds of the gospel. And the Bible says that somebody may come along and, and water it, and then God gives the increase. God waters it, actually. You plant the seeds, and then he gives the increase. Don't doubt it. Your witness is very, very powerful, more powerful than what you've ever, ever seen. Thank you, Lord. Because we want the Lord. I offer you today, and that's your, your desire. This is, a, this is actually an invitation today to enter into what God desires and his highest purposes for your life and my life and for the life of this church. That you're a vessel for the Lord, an offering. And actually, the invitation is, Lord, to make me whatever you want me to be, whatever that may be. I came here with nothing. But all that you have given me, make me a vessel and offering. If you bow with me now, I want to pray. Father, we thank you that we can come to you today. We thank you for that new wine that Jesus is pouring out. We thank you, Lord, today. We know that you're giving us new wineskins to receive that new wine. And dear God, today we open our hearts to you and ask that you would make us a vessel, make us an offering, make us whatever you want us to be. Our prayer today individually and our prayer today corporately at Lighthouse Fellowship here and the church at large, dear Lord. Make us, because Lord, we've come here with nothing but all that you have given us. We pray today, Jesus Bring new wine out of each one of us this day. Father, whatever the need is today, whatever the issue is, dear God, don't let anyone leave this church knowing that they are a believer. They've been born again and that they have truly accepted, believed, and that their desire is to walk with you in holiness and purity and integrity. Don't let anyone leave this church church today, Lord, where there's a decision that needs to be made. I pray that, Holy Spirit of God. Come and rest upon these here today. We pray, Lord, you would, Lord, fill them with that, just a fresh baptism, Lord, that they would be used in your service. They would be empowered in service to the Lord. I pray that, Holy Spirit, today. Touch every person here, every heart, that will receive that new wine that Jesus is giving out so abundantly. Father, we thank you for this time together. It's a time, Lord, we're believing that you're doing great things. And Lord, we need you. We need you in this country. We need you, Lord, in this church. And we fling the doors of this church wide open and say, come in, Lord Jesus, come in. And have your way. Make us a vessel. Make us an offering. Make us whatever 
you would have us to be. Thank you, Lord. If that's your decision today, make that decision. Make that step. Don't leave this church. If that is what you're saying, <coughs> if this is what your, your desire is, don't leave today without saying, Lord, make me that vessel, that offering, and do with me whatever you want to do. That is a prayer, actually, of consecration, of setting us apart for God's service. And to live for Jesus. And Father, I pray by your spirit that you would seal upon the hearts and lives of the people in this place this day. That hunger and desire to know you more intimately. So fill us with that new wine, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you.